You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we continue our discussion of writer-director Martin Scorsese with the films The Departed and Shutter Island. Here to discuss the films with me is returning guest, Mr. Ben Teed. Hello. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, it is a Sunday. It is your happy place now that you, the, the the child is, is put to sleep and you're mm-hmm. able to have an adult beverage. So what is it that yep. you are choosing to have for your adult beverage? I got my copper cup out. It is feeling, uh, it's going to, it's, it's, uh, at the time of this recording, feeling like near 60 degrees outside, uh, just in time for it to snow apparently on Wednesday, uh, of, (laughs) of when this was recorded. So that's great. Uh, but I got my summer drink out and I'm having a Moscow mule. Ah, I like it. I like it. I am also having a summery drink and I am going with, uh, what would have been a gin and tonic, but I looked and gasp, I was out of tonic. <laughs> so I'm no. I'm sort of doing like the vodka water sort of thing where it's it's uh it's gin and technically it's sparkling water, but it's um it is uh like the lemon lime flavored sparkling water. So it's a little bit like a gin and juice almost, but it's it's basically just gin and flavored water. It'll have to do. Yeah. So, It'll just have to do. <laughs> believe you me, it is going to do. <laughs> it's going to, yeah, it's going <laughs> to. So that is, uh, so those are the uh, drinks that we're having. These are the films that we're going to be discussing. We're going to start in 2006 with yet another Leonardo DiCaprio film, and it is The Departed. When I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. What I'm saying is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? This is not the regular police. This is the state police. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. You have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. When I have my associates search you. That was quick. Think he's dead already? Get your hands off me! I think we could work something out. We are all convinced that Costello has at least one mole inside the Special Investigations Unit. There are parts of my job I can't talk to you about. Man, you are trouble. You don't know the half of it. You better get organized, quick. Hey, last time I checked, I tipped you off and you're not in jail. Getting the feeling we got a cop in my crew. Soon the lady's gonna find out who I am and he's gonna kill me. I can get the rap. You just gotta let me do it my way. If you don't, it won't be me who pays for it. There's a leak from the inside. It's real, man. Smoke him out. Smoke on the you are only coming 
you're lying to me. There are things you don't want to know about. What are you waiting for, honestly? I mean, do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? How's your brother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act accordingly. And oh, let me tell you, Mr. Teed, there are a lot of IMDb uh, summaries to choose from. Really? Uh, yes. It's really simple. It's actually very simple. <laughs> and I decided well, to go with the short one. All right. Oof, they are. Some of them are beefy. And uh, so I went with this one here. This is by uh, this is by Bexy Kane, which you know is a sign of quality. But it goes like this: a war between the police and the mob. But who is on the right side? Question mark. And is there a right side? Question mark. A tale of deception. The Departed focuses on a young cop, Billy Costigan, who risks his morals and his sanity to infiltrate an American Irish mob and gain the trust of its leader, Frank Costello. The plot thickens when both Billy and Costello discover a rat in their disparate organizations and chaos ensues. So no mention of Matt Damon, but instead uh, Costigan and Costello is the uh, is the center of attention there. So, Mr. Teed, why don't you tell me your introduction to The Departed? Yes, I think I want to say The Departed is probably my theatrical introduction to Scorsese. Mm -hmm. You know how it goes um, when you, I would have turned this 2006 is the year I graduated high school. So we were absolutely going to movies every single weekend as much as possible, skipping out on as much, you know, school related activities as possible. And, And we have like three megaplexes in our area. And so we would, me and my friends would go to try to see everything. And so this might be my first Scorsese, possibly, because uh, I don't remember watching any of the uh, Scorsese stuff growing up. And so this might have been the ship that launched the Scorsese ship for me uh-huh. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what was so cool about seeing this film as a high schooler was um, it's very machismo, uh, which is a very, which is a, a very like you know maybe not action machismo but definitely this like uh, uh, a tough alpha masculine um type of film where they're all there's all these egos hitting each other uh over and over again and um especially mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. uh character um and and it's just fun to finally be able to go without your parents to see that rated r movie and and kind of oh, i get to sit here with the big kids now and enjoy you know and watch this stuff and um, I know, I know it, you know, I don't, it's not my first rated R film, but it was definitely one of the first within the first few years of me going to movie theaters. Remember those? Uh, <laughs> and, um, and so the, the main premise of like, like, I love the, I love the idea just going in. Um, Cause I was definitely aware of Jack Nicholson. Um, I must have thought Leo DiCaprio was like, oh, like, I'm not going to want to see a movie with him in it because he's the Titanic guy. And like, Mm. this was obviously before, you know, I was really introduced to any of his other roles. I don't know if I really felt that way or not growing up. Maybe I did a little bit, but I was willing to like give this a shot. But it's uh, a like the the premise of going in with a, 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 
a cop going undercover in the criminals world and a criminal going undercover in the cops world as a as a rat mm-hmm. is like such a good and like who will find each other first as a genre picture sounds great and so i'm like it's so easy to sell me on something like as simple as that especially back then so i was just there to to probably watch the violence and and the anger and the and the uh the typical uh you know male pushiness that <laughs> is there and had no uh, clue at all probably about any of the uh sexual impotence mm-hmm. in it or any, it did just did not occur to me probably at all uh about or or like you know any sort of thing like that. I, I, I really probably just, and I probably barely knew who, like I probably recognized Martin Sheen or, you know, Baldwin or, you know, I definitely, pro- I definitely probably knew of Matt Damon by 2006 because of the Bourne movies. I was really, I really liked those. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack Nicholson was probably the reason for me to jump into this movie. And the thing is, little did I know this was uh, probably the last film like this that we, I would see of him uh, brand new. Uh, in the theater because I think post this he only made a couple more movies um, and then I think the only one of real note is probably the bucket list so this is like the last like very large um, like to this degree or caliber uh, Nicholson performance for me which was kind of big because I grew up thinking he was probably my favorite favorite actor mm-hmm. um, so so yeah that's kind of like my my general background for for um for the departed and and i think i think from there this would this this could have been at the very ground level start of like my cinematic language getting built oh and start starting to learn and stuff like that based off of this film so um completely uh we'll talk about the ending here in a little while but completely floored by that ending Mm -hmm. uh when i first saw it like whoa like in what world do they kill off the main characters or whatever and then, like now, I can see it like a mile away, <laughs> watching oh, it well, yeah. in this in <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. this watch, and in this in this turnaround, it's like, oh, well, that's there's only way this could end. There's only one way this could end, and that's with, with everyone going. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. How about you? Did well, you? Did you? Yeah, yeah. So my in- this was actually the first movie that I had seen of Martin Scorsese's in the theater as well. Oh wow. um, yeah. And it was a thing where I remember coming out of that, and my first superficial thought back when i saw it in the theater was holy shit was the gunshots loud like i remember them being so loud i i I remember that too (laughs) and i was really kind of like not like shaken by it but i was like jesus christ like that's that's really intense (laughs) it was i remember that being the the big takeaway and of course um you know i didn't know anything about infernal affairs at the time and uh and how this is a remake of that of that film and that kind of thing. But uh, I didn't, I um, sort of took away what the film, I think wants you to take away from it in that it allows Mark Wahlberg to be such a big character. I think that that's a performance and a character that you're going to remember immediately um, because he is so over the top in terms of he's the sort of verbal tough guy. And he's just like the, Maybe yes, no, maybe no, maybe go fuck yourself, like all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you see everybody sort of playing to the sort of uh, to the rafters, you know, like they're just all sort of playing to the back row uh, with their different performances because you've got Jack like 
being a rat and eating the cheese in that one scene. And you've just got all of these sort of really big moments. Uh, even Matt Damon for him is, is being pretty big when he's arguing on the phone and Vera Farmiga is watching him from inside the apartment. Uh, of course, you know, Leo's got all of his uh, drugs slash drug withdrawal slash being stressed out kind of stuff that he's got to deal with. Um, so I, I mean, I was, I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Uh, the, the second time I watched it was for one of the very early episodes of this podcast. It's one of the first, um, I think it is the only podcast that Rachel and I ever did where we went through the whole thing and I did, and I realized I hadn't been recording. Um, and we were kind of like, Oh, um, that was like episode four or five or something like that. And we're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just remember. We'll just remember because we had that kind of energy and that kind of time, I guess. And so we're like, let's just go again. Let's just go again. And so then we wow. just recorded right, right away, right after that and had a completely different talk and, and talked about completely different things. And, it's weird how much that helps sometimes. Right. And so we were like, that's how you know that the film was actually successful and it was a quality movie was because we had two conversations and they went in completely different directions and they weren't just regurgitating the same information over and over. Right. And so then I hadn't watched it again since uh, we were going to do Scorsese stuff. I was like, Oh, okay. I'll watch the departed again and we'll see how that is. uh, You know, roughly nine years later and see if my opinions changed or what have you. And again, I thought it was really good. I thought it was, um, I did really point out a couple of moments that were really uh, effective for me that I, that are not showy, showy moments that I thought was really good. Um, I wrote in my note um, just because of this sort of conversation that this is Scorsese going back to musical choices that he's comfortable with. And I think that that for me makes a huge difference because when we talked about bringing out your dead, I hated the music that was in that. Um, he's usually extremely good at picking yeah uh uh the the correct the and i say correct as in like yes this fits in the same way that i think tarantino mm-hmm. uh can can pick really good um um choices for 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 songs that mm-hmm. just 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 sometimes they feel like they don't fit sometimes but then sometimes they grow on you sometimes i mean yeah, I, I, th- this one in particular, it fits so well. I mean, this is a one of the watersheds for me for for Scorsese. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and we had we obviously have the um, you know the departed uh, the credit song, which was you know everywhere um, that Dropkick Murphys song um, that was oh, all uh, over the ship, place. shipping up to Boston. Right. Or, uh, right, right, yeah, right. shipping up to Boston. Uh, so we had that everywhere. Um, we of mm-hmm. course had the the li- I think it's the live version of Comfortably Numb which is the uh, the sort of, uh, um, it's the oh, Leo it? and Vera Farmiga when she's getting pregnant moment. <laughs> and again, already spoilers for the movie in case you <laughs> haven't seen The Departed. Yes, they all die at the end. Yes, she gets pregnant at the end. Yes, she, say, she says that it's uh, uh, Matt Damon's baby, but they also talk about how Matt Damon's not really able to perform uh and so she does right. she does sleep with leo and then she's not long it's afterwards a, say uh it's the van morrison version oh the van morrison that's right. and, and yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be live but it was a cover okay okay 
I knew that was different. I knew that I knew it wasn't Floyd, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's one of the little, those little details that I really liked. Cause I think the first time I watched it, I was like, Oh yeah, uh, she's pregnant. Okay. Well, Matt Damon's talking about how they're sleeping together a lot. I guess it's just his child. And then I watched it this time and I'm like, well, actually. He, oh, it totally isn't. He, yeah. I was like, actually, oh, totally she's isn't. talking about how he, they're not having sex. And he's just talking to like his male counterparts about how they are but you only see any sort of activity happening once and it's with Leo and then she's pregnant after that. And I'm like, ah, I get it. <laughs> this is definitely the first time I've seen anything with Vieira Park Farming in it as well. Yeah, it was for me too. And then afterwards, um, obviously with her and, and uh, the conjuring franchise, but uh, from that and then Bates motel and she's in the upcoming, uh, she's getting dipping into Marvel with the, uh, the upcoming TV miniseries, the, uh, the Hawkeye miniseries. Oh, nice. Good. Um, but uh, but yeah, so she's and she's also in uh, you know she plays Lorraine Warren in almost uh, every opportunity. <laughs> Either Norma Bates or uh, Lorraine Warren; those are her. Two oh yeah, sort I guess that's true. Yeah. So anyway, so um, so but yeah, so I was I was really taken by this again. I was really excited to watch it again, and we get the we get the return to the voiceover at the beginning. We get the return to some seventies music from Scorsese. <laughs> And it just kind of, it just all still feels right to me. And we get these sort of big name, especially at the time, a lot, you know, they talked about how the, the uh, half of the budget was just for the cast, which is not always a good sign. <laughs> no. <laughs> but when you look through the cast and you're like, holy shit, like even some of the supporting players like Ray Winstone or even Anthony Anderson with a really small role. Um, this was when uh, James Badge Dale was attempting to, make a go of things because he was in 24 around this time uh, and then he was in the departed and i was like oh i know this dude from 24 this is supposed to be like the next jack or like the new jack or whatever uh the new Kiefer sutherland and then he was in the departed like a couple years later um but uh but yeah so i was i was excited about it what uh what were some of the things that you thought were effective or not effective this time around this time around i think that um I just liked the, I liked the the dichotomy. I noticed the dichotomy between the two uh, sides even more. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I was ready to come into this movie, um, I was I was ready to knock it down. Honestly, mm-hmm. like like we have been, I guess, or I have been. I feel like in a lot of uh, Scorsese stuff, I, I find that he's really really good at at genre, and he's really really good at. Um, um, uh, uh like like hollywood ass hollywood movies mm. um like to me scorsese uh is really good at, at finding these giant like these big crowd pleasing movies that that work on these much larger levels mm-hmm. um rather than uh, much more contained like you just can't contain the performance that is uh jack nicholson um it's almost like they could have picked someone else to be a little bit more mysterious or a little bit more but it was almost like letting him off a chain. Well, let me let me jump in on that because they wanted Al Pacino to do it. And I can see that, but it would not... So Jack is a, spe- a special type of crazy. Yes, and I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's nothing. I'm not saying something new there. Like, that, like there is... When you watch The Shining, you already know full well that that guy is crazy. You don't have to like wait for him to deteriorate over time. Mm-hmm. You full on well know based off of there's a reason why they picked him to be in one floor of the cuckoo's nest or something <laughs> right like, there's so many 
uh, things that he's capable of. And I guess my, I guess my, 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 my thing with Jack was I wasn't expecting to look at his performance this time and just kind of like, yeah, it's a, it's a good performance. And yes, he's, he's able to, you know, make these interesting faces and stuff like that. But I don't think he's written as well as I remember. Uh, I, I, I mean, specifically, like he's not really given much to do other than just be an animal. And maybe that, maybe the movie doesn't need him to do more than that, but I felt like I needed more, um, maybe reason behind him. Is it just because it's just cops and robbers and that's, we just need another side to just be this, like, he's almost in some ways, uh, uh I was about to say cartoon cutout, but it's not quite that it's, he, he chews the scenes for sure mm-hmm. that he's in, but I need, I guess, maybe more motivation or why he's doing this or why he's being this or that. But I still, it still doesn't mean that he's not interesting to watch or fun to watch. One of the, one of the examples that I just kind of just loved was Leo uh, talking with, um, Oh, he was talking with uh, one of the underlings of, uh, of Costello and Frank comes back over his shoulder and is like, looking at the guy talking to Leo. Oh going, yeah. He's talking to Mr. French. Yeah. Mr. Fr- yeah. And he, and he's like saying, Shh, don't let him know I'm here. And then he starts to like make faces behind him and, and, and act like it as if Leo might say something. It's that was a real like, Ooh, dangerous thing to the point where I thought maybe that might've been improv at some point. It did, and that's it good. did feel like it. Yeah. It did feel it's, like it's that. good that I felt that way though, about that scene, mm-hmm. because I think that that adds to the more, uh, chaotic nature of of Frank Costello. Yeah, it gives you that unpredictability, even in that, even in the scene of what what's this guy going to do, right? Because and, that's beyond. That's the point where he shows up and he's got uh, Leo shows up and he's got blood all over his hands and all that kind of thing. That's beyond. I that. don't. I don't think he's necessarily. I mean, obviously, he's he's based off of partially based off of a real person, Whitey Bulger, um, in a in a in a real real life crime and stuff like that. Um, but there is, there is like this, I, I, maybe it's not important to this story, but I guess maybe I would have liked because he is a father character to maybe Leo or excuse me, excuse me. He might be a father character to Damon and Leo's father character is Martin Sheen in this. So they have like that division and like, they're getting taught by the other father, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, there's a little bit of element there. But at least with Martin Sheen, I guess I'm not asking for like, why do you go out there and fight this stuff all the time? Well, it's crime. Like it makes sense. Yeah. You know, whereas maybe the, maybe the, maybe I'm too sticking too much on Costello to be like, Hey, well, why, why do you go crazy at at people and kill people for this reason? Or why do you, why do you break their hands and stuff like that? Well, it's the same reason as, you know, De Niro doing it in Casino or any of those, I mean, or, or Goodfellas or anything other than that other stuff. It's just, they're, they're criminals, you know, you just kind of have to like buy into that. Right. The, the kind of the, uh, I, I want, the other thing too, is I'm watching this with a much larger cinematic vocabulary, but I'm also watching it post um, my journey through American movies with Marty Scorsese, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. The true Rosetta Stone of understanding, I think Marty's work once I once I saw that movie, I almost wish I had seen that first before any of his films, because that he breaks everything down the way he wants to see, the way the way he he believes, and whether or not you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. Like it's, this is his world, and and he's 
playing with the action figures to make them move <laughs> the way the way that he remembers films mm-hmm. and he likes films. And so this is obviously taking on a new uh, 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 depiction of the gangster film um, with with uh, with you know born from that from from the from having evolved this this wasn't just another goodfellas in the same way that i feel like in some ways casino kind of was you know they're different films they're different you know meanings behind those films but like this absolutely is an evolution um cinematically uh like a leveling up almost from the genre crime film and and i think all the men involved in this movie are absolutely like a part of that, whether or not I believed, I don't know, Leo's too young or Matt Damon. They seem like they're babies doing this or whatever. Now this, this watch around, I absolutely felt like they were capable. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because I've, I've had a, you know, almost two de- gosh, almost two decades uh, worth of, <laughs> let's just say 15 years uh, uh, worth of, cause it is, it's 15, I believe this mm-hmm. year. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so there you go. So, so a decade and a half of, 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 uh, of films of them under the, under our belts, having seen a lot of them pretty much and all the important ones probably. And so, um, I, I'll, I'll try to get to my final point here about this, but like, like, I do think that, um, when I've understood that it makes it that much more able to, I'm, I'm that much more able to understand the impact of the departed and why I liked it back then on a very probably superficial level. And then maybe some more deeper, uh, slightly shallow, uh, but still good, um, uh, uh, take on it now, Mm -hmm. because I'll be honest that when I first booted this thing up and was going to sit down and watch it, um, immediately started to get turned off by the, by the, the, you know, chest puffing and the, and the, like, you know, just the, um, the Mark Wahlberg character oh, uh, right. of him, of him, like I'm, I now know better than to watch this and not laugh at that. Like I know mm-hmm. now that that's funny to me and like, Oh, they, they are obviously being, uh, they're, they're trying to play up that play up that. Uh, like, I, I forgot how funny this could have been. Well, actually I may have never known how funny this movie could have been watching it the first time. I probably looked all at all of it as stone cold, like serious, mm-hmm. but there are some moments like him, yelling at leo in the beginning where it's it's funny it's honestly really good and some of the stuff that you know jack doesn't you know take very seriously um they don't have to show him uh throwing uh, a handful of coke at a at a hooker mm-hmm. and say don't move until you're numb like that's that's funny but it's also just like no oh, like i think i think we're by this point in 2006 audiences were trained to just go oh jack and like there he is again, just doing his thing. Whereas now it's like a part of me kind of misses him. <laughs> a part of me kind of misses a performance like that from Jack. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not it's to the the level of deepness or, or shallowness, you know, whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I just, either way, I just miss seeing him up on that screen. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. It's, it's one of those where it's like, uh, if only there was like a lost, treasure trove of jack nicholson performances yeah know, just like... a warehouse that that these survived <laughs> yeah and he really. had made these that would be nice um going back to one of the things that you mentioned was why does costello does jack's character do what he does um and that's one of the questions i think that is important 
for Leo DiCaprio. And he, that's what he asks him at one point. He's like, you're, you're 70 years old. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like the, one of these guys that's close to you, they're going to, he's, they're going to kill you or you're going to get caught. Like, just, just well, go away. It was striking to me that for when I heard that line, mm-hmm. because from what I've learned from Goodfellas is men and men in the, uh, uh, in that thought line of work, don't live that long, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then this is departed. So 2006, so this would have been near the end of Sopranos, which talks about life after crime or still crime or whatever, you know, but, mm-hmm. but like life after the life of living in the life and what it's gotten you and, and growing old in that. And so interesting how that, how that happens. Right. Um, so what I wanted to bring up about that was talking about the script part. And this was, uh, this was, you know, it was based on infernal affairs, but this was, uh, written by William Monaghan and William Monaghan is an interesting figure to me because he wrote a book. Um, it was called uh, lighthouse. And then he wrote the movie for Ridley Scott, uh, kingdom of heaven which is the uh, Orlando Bloom film. And uh, it's Orlando Bloom and Liam Neeson and Eva Green. And it's one of those infamous ones where the, uh, like the director's cut is actually, it actually is better than the theatrical. It's like one of those rare ones. And so that was his first, uh, that was his first uh, screenplay is getting to work with Ridley Scott. His second film is the next year, and it is The Departed with Martin wow. freaking Scorsese. And then he does Body of Lies with, again, Ridley Scott. And that's with Leo and with Russell Crowe and Mark Strong. And I'm like, don't ever say that you can't do it, kids, because, <laughs> I mean, this the dude's first, the first thing that he got produced was a Ridley Scott film. And then he goes straight into the four time Oscar winning um, the departed with Martin Scorsese. (laughs) It's like, Jesus Christ, like not everyone has to start out small and work their way up. And sometimes you just kind of get that lucky break, I guess. Uh, Has he done anything since? He's done a few things. Um, The most recent, I've seen a few. Yeah. He's done the gambler with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, The most recent thing that he did was Mojave in 2015, but then he's got something called the tender bar and then Marlowe, which I'm assuming is a Philip Marlowe deal but the tender bar is uh directed by george clooney and starring ben affleck i remember hearing about the gambler i heard i heard that one was okay yeah i it's it's funny because edge of darkness was the last one of these that i saw and i didn't like that because i kind of you're really gonna have to be something special for me to enjoy a mel gibson film now oh well, yeah now yeah. uh and so and <laughs> what what are you talking about yeah, i don't really, understand <laughs> i don't get it i don't get it but um i i am interested in his latest uh effort that is supposedly coming it is uh i don't think it has a director attached yet but it is uh marlowe like we said and it is uh philip marlowe and and the person attached to it already is liam neeson uh, uh and we'll kind of see how that uh ends up you know, ends up playing out, but, uh, but that's a, that's a character that's been adapted several times and, and several times very well. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with it and what Liam. Oh, yeah. Does I did hear, it. I did hear that name attached to this movie, uh, Monaghan, but yeah, no, I had no idea that, that 
he wasn't like this like veteran of, yeah that's what uh, i thought i thought it was like a you know i thought it was like a oh like just some like famous uh screenplay person that i hadn't heard of for a while you you do see michael bauhaus come back and uh no surprise with thomas uh, schoonmaker uh editing his oh, film for sure so, yeah yeah like it's the same old it's the it's the group that's here to make martin scorsese films so <laughs> yeah really <laughs> they're they're all around they're all available so like it's like um you know it, it's just like and then to get this cast and having marty a part of it, i mean all of this was it was fantastic mm-hmm. to, to to have all that together right so um, let me talk about one of the moments that i was surprised that it was really effective for me and and what i liked about this is this is kind of the uh you have like the two sides of I think that this is perfectly cast. Let me say it that way, because I think that Mark Wahlberg sort of is his character to where he's just this kind of like faux tough guy, like big mouth that just is someone that you just want to sort of ignore after a while. Right. Um, but I think that in terms of the way that their careers have gone, I really like that, uh, that Matt Damon is playing this sort of public figure uh, outwardly this good person and getting a lot of attention shined upon him, getting these promotions, being recognized, all of that kind of stuff. Like that's his, that's his character. And then you have Leo who's doing kind of like the dirty work, like the real work, like the artist's work. And I kind of like that, that, that that's sort of how those personas have panned out like post post Titanic. Leo's done a lot of like, you know, one for you, one for me kind of things. Um, but I feel I like he's, so, yeah. but I feel like he's doing more challenging things than, than Matt Damon. Like even Matt Damon's best work is still in, in things that are a little lighter in comparison. Like, you know, he's, he's that, not, yeah. he's not really like, you wouldn't see Matt Damon in the Revenant sort of a thing. Right. <laughs> like that's not really what he does. I suppose not. He doesn't really try to transform too much. No. I, and when he does, it's, it's usually quite bizarre. I mean, when I've seen him even just wear like a must, just a mustache on himself, I mm-hmm. always think that that's very weird. Yeah. Cause I even, you know, like I, I really liked him in the nineties. I mean, Goodwill hunting, of course, but uh, like, I thought he was great in the talented Mr. Ripley, which is a film that I don't think gets oh, talked yeah. about enough. No, but, yeah, uh, that's good. But when I you like see it. him in like The Martian, you're like, oh yeah, it's just uh, you know, it's just he gets Matt to Damon. talk in his own voice. It's just yeah. Matt Damon being Matt Damon, or uh, you know, I I did think that he was good in uh, Ford versus Ferrari when when he's putting on some accent work. But I'm kind of like, oh, I don't love. I still want to see it. I don't. Oh, well, it's it's good. It's 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 just yeah. kind of like a good movie for your parents kind of a thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, just so like a exactly, it's yeah. a good for everybody kind of a movie just kind of straight down the middle. Um, but yeah, so the, I just think it, that that fits with their sort of personalities in terms of that's who that is. And then of course, Jack gets to do all of the, all of the Jack things. Like there's moments where he's doing the Joker, you know, there's moments where he's just being all of the over the top roles that he wants to be in this, but with a Boston accent. Yeah. But with a Boston accent. Yeah. I have no idea if these Boston accents are very good. Well, Matt Damon's um, from the area, so I would imagine his is. So good. I would, yeah, I would imagine he's he's probably coaching all of them, or they're getting coaches or something like that. But I do like when they say microprocesses <laughs> and con- and contra fucking band and yep. stuff like that. Well, and, Mar- I do- and Mark Wahlberg's also from Boston, so his is. Oh, real. there you go. Yeah, and that was yeah. in the trivia to where they said that uh, he showed up, and Scorsese said that he wanted him to use his real accent, and it was so thick that he said that they were going to have to subtitle it. 
<laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> it's like him giving him a shit about it. So oh, I thought man, that was pretty funny. good. But yeah, they should have subtitled it. I would have watched that. Still. Right, right. But uh, you know, Leo, he's from he's from L.A. basically, so he's he he's having to put that on. So, but anyway, well, so man. so I thought that that was good. But let me get back to the the things that I thought were effective. Yeah, but yeah. it was um, it's when Leo is he has he has two moments basically, and the first one of them is when he's in the place that he's staying, and he's in there alone. And it's a short moment and he's kind of like looking through his stuff and he's got his pills and he's got his gun and he's got his pictures and he's just kind of looking through there. And I, I want to say that it's even in either a montage or something that's treated like a montage where he's just kind of, it's like the only moment where you get to see him at rest where he's not being chased or trying to set someone up or trying to avoid getting set up or whatever. And it's just sort of like a little glimpse of what his life must be like. And you're like, fuck, this is terrible. Like this dude is really suffering. Like this is awful for him. And the other moment that I thought was really effective is the sort of, I guess it's sort of like the, the cheesy romance moment, but it's when Matt Damon says that he can't have uh, Vera Farmiga's picture in the living room. Um, he like explains it away why he can't have it in there and then Leo sees it at her apartment later and like hangs it up higher on the wall than it was there before and is like and is like advertising uh, the picture and and it was like she goes that was me when I was young and he's like of course it is and it's just sort of like a deep down who are they sort of a moment and and I think in script writing in the, in the sort of theme analysis section for me, it would be oh yes, page whatever they hit this because Leo's character is good because he's appreciating who she is as a person. To where Matt Damon is is denying her as a person and just likes her as a status symbol or an object. And uh, and so that while it's not the focus, was a moment that I was like oh yeah, they actually nailed that pretty pretty well right there. Yeah, I was also knives out, ready to get uh, uh, real messy with the treatment of the treatment of women in movies and stuff like that. And just, I really don't have anything to really complain about because I just think all of it was handled in such a way that it served the story, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not you give, you know, a woman, you know, that I mean, the movie that was being made here was about these men and what they were doing and what they were going through, and so I felt like none of it was, I, you know not ready to get all you know pc police or anything like that not that not that i have to do that or take that on it's just my mind goes there from now on these days yeah and it's it's hard to not look at it's hard not to look at uh movies just in general and what i consume as as something and 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 to not uh and to be appreciative when stuff like that is acknowledged Mm -hmm. well this is something that i mean speaking of things that you look at this is something that uh this is a film that fails the bechdel test spectacularly because there's not Absolutely. there's not two women in the movie let alone in the same scene you know not talking about right. a man i mean there's there's a few female characters but there's vera farmiga's madeline and that's it right oh there, there's something uh, yeah yeah i was gonna say i was about to go well th- that doesn't necessarily make a great movie Mm-mm. that it passes the pectal test i just we strive to be better we strive to do good and here i am talking on a recorded thing and i hope this doesn't like come back to bite me in the ass for any reason but <laughs> but seriously i i don't necessarily think that just because it 
just because there's a standard that's set that we strive for, it doesn't necessarily sometimes involve a woman. Right. Yes. Um, well, and, and, the, and, that and is not the that goal. A, that is not the goal of right. this film. This, the goal of the film right. is to talk about, and you mentioned it right away. It is about masculinity and impotency. Right. That's a, that's a huge theme of all of Scorsese's films. But and I think this is the most like in your face and I think and you're outwardly right, yeah. sort of thing. And, and it makes every it single does, thing you could. It does make me wonder about Marty and his age and like maybe what's not going on these days when Marty's making this movie. Because oh it's so, yeah, I didn't think about that. No, <laughs> because he's I, probably, I, mean, I don't know. Because he's probably the same age as Jack Nichol- Nicholson in this uh, while he's making it. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I didn't think about that. But yeah. Um, I'm thinking about like even in those early days with stuff like um, Mean Streets or Taxi Driver where they are young 20-somethings and it was trying to puff out their chest and appear like they're tough standing Mm -hmm. in front of a mirror and flexing and saying you talking to me and pulling out a gun and stuff like that and then kind of in your your prime making stuff like Goodfellas where you don't got you don't got to have a care in the world you're just you're just producing in your and you're and you're fucking and you're doing whatever you want and then even even some of the like the last waltz and and uh the shine a light um his his like his his uh uh tributes to these bands so with like american boy and um the michael michael jackson video bad and stuff like that it is all about appearing tough and 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 like shine a light and and even uh the rolling stones beatles stuff that he's been involved with there is a tribute to this very boomer his generation celebration of what he considers to be you know the tough or the masculine or the the popular the you know that you know that type of stuff even something along the lines of like uh of aviator mm-hmm. you know, a very masculine filmmaker and subject matter well absolutely because that's that like uh i'm 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 too correct and too like quote unquote male to uh deny like my heart's desire kind of a thing like i'm going to make this the way that i want to do it because i'm like a rough and tough man and that's what i do kind of a thing i think that's a very typical someone of marty's generation Uh (laughs) and 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 in some ways that that is a problem culturally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also i'm not necessarily about to deny you know that voice especially after the creation of how many iconic films and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. I mean, it would be a lot different if we found out Marty was a real jerk. And, but I mean, even then it's still really hard to deny. Well, yeah, He's, even, even his most controversial things are like, Hey, I don't think that uh, MCU stuff is that good. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> such a low to me. It's that, that remark is so low on the totem pole and compared <laughs> in comparison to like his, uh harm in in possibly uh like 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 goodfellas right take goodfellas mm-hmm. one of his most celebrated films of all time i ranked it four and a half stars and all this stuff like i would i may even go ahead and give it five someday or something like that i think it's something that should be celebrated but in the film uh uh, uh criminals are celebrated like it, it is one of those things where it shows how fun it could be it glorifies the violence and the lifestyle and stuff like that and so it's one of those things that like is this just a poster or is it just a you know poster child or a movie uh, that is doing too much to to uh, to celebrate violence well i mean no i don't i think it's just fun to watch and and it's one of those things that like you know at least with the departed the one thing i can say about it is 
it doesn't make either side look very glamorous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make either side look very fun to be on or anything like that. It was just this more interesting uh, uh, feeling film that I, I just, I, I, I can, re- I can truly see this version. You could, you could, you could translate the main premise of this film into those old style quote picture shows that he likes to see that he talks about in a personal journey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can see that. Well, um, one of the things so, stylistically that I thought was interesting about this is you had a little bit of like a, um, and forgive me for not knowing all of the terminology and this kind of stuff, but it's like it, the the camera is definitely on rails and it's sliding and then like turning to follow Jack. And then, so it'll be on Leo who's on the right and it'll kind of like follow him and then and it'll like spin and then focus on Leo and then it'll turn to Jack on the left and then it'll follow him and it'll also like swoop over towards him. And it's, it's just like a weird sort of like a, oh, it's just like a Marty sort of showing off kind of thing almost, you know, and obviously he's not the person behind the actual, um, he's not the camera operator, but it's just like a little bit of like a stylistic thing to where it's like, oh yeah, you remember that Copas stuff from Goodfellas? I still got a few tricks. Like I can still oh, wow. do some stuff that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I there there's nothing nothing that's like groundbreaking to me, but mm-hmm. yeah, I guess you're right. I guess he is he is totally like I'm too busy. I you know, I never even really noticed even in watching this time because I think I've only seen it like two maybe three times. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy like hearing gimme shelter and and like and uh and really any of the other uh uh like pop songs that he play a rock pop songs mm-hmm, that he mm-hmm. plays in this stuff and and just kind of remembering where i was you know back in the day and, and what i thought of try, i tried to go back and think of having never heard of in, uh, infernal affairs mm-hmm. um which i guess has a has a um a, a bunch of uh doesn't it have like a bunch of uh sequels to it and stuff like that yeah it's like a series it's like a series oh, wow. instead of a see that would have been interesting to see i guess they just pumped them all into this movie probably whatever yeah i'm not sure happening. how that how that worked but i know that there's three um there's three infernal affairs uh by alan mack um was the director of all three of them and they came out in 2002 and then the next two came out both of them in 2003 um so i'm not sure uh not sure exactly what uh like how far the series goes after that or if it goes after that at all i haven't to be honest seen those but i do know that it is uh based on the the departed is based on that and then um you know they had like slight alterations to where vera farmiga's character is um is uh an amalgamation of two different um characters to where they just put them together so that's why it's, okay it's sort of like i don't know that's awfully convenient that she's sleeping with both of them while they were two separate characters in the original in the original movie but i guess if you're just making one film and trying to make it as clean as you can uh, i guess it makes sense for uh, sure yeah but, i mean it, it's feels so streamlined mm-hmm. you know i feel and so the, i feel like there, it's it's kind of hard to find words find more words to say other than other than love for the film um <laughs> because it's it's it really is just a good one of those type of movies mm-hmm. where you know i you could pop this in you know i'd say probably about every 10 years or so for me um because i feel like too much of this would be 
you know, some of it can be a little heavy handed. Um, and it's, that's fine, but I feel like I, I need time for me to kind of forget some of the stuff that would have happened. Like I, I almost, I almost, I think I, my, I almost spit out my drink or whatever when the very final shot, I'm talking the very final shot of the film. Um, You're talking, talking about, about with, uh, with Mark Wahlberg I'm ta- or I'm talking about after that, even um, where a particular animal uh, oh. uh, crawls across <laughs> the screen. I feel like that is so like, so obvious so yeah, on the that <laughs> you really 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 did not need that there's a, there's a few times where there's rats running around or i'm like did okay like i don't know that this needed to be <laughs> so clear like i get it like marty did you come up with that you're like wait i got it and then you told a team of people and the team of people were so tired of working with you that they were like uh yeah sure marty whatever yeah, can we get a rat yeah we can get a rat by one o'clock sure let's oh, do it oh man yeah that was i guess I let's just do I it let's just make that. our you know what i thought was interesting talking about the ending here is that uh so we get we get the initial or we get the the sort of damon dicaprio sort of uh meetup finally because they've been dancing around each other most of the movie and and i do (laughs) for movie purposes i do miss flip phones like this because of the wonderful little snap and the way that you can hang up and the way that all of that has a little bit more emphasis other than going like beep so true on an iphone right Um, so true it's hard to it's hard to like snap an iphone and then be like done (laughs) you know whereas like you snap the iphone or you snap the flip phone and it's like a uh putting like a period on the scene that's right yeah it's more of a it's more of like a a, foley yeah it's more of a powerful moment uh so i do miss those pieces but so we get the two of them on the roof and i think that that scene is good because we get um you know the the uh anthony anderson character and he's kind of like do I trust Leo or do I not? And all this kind of stuff. And then we get the kind of craziness of this guy is going to shoot this guy. Who's going to shoot that guy. And all, everyone's going to get shot kind of a kind of an ending. And throughout that, I feel like you do forget about Mark Wahlberg's character because he kind of leaves in a huff, at least the first time that you see it. Um, He leaves in a huff earlier and then you just kind of forget about him. And he's just like, Oh, I guess he's just out on his way and he's never going to figure out that Matt Damon's bad. And then here he comes at the end and Matt Damon, uh, you know, he uh, gets what's out. coming to him. And, and you're like, oh, yes, justice. Thank you. <laughs> and it's one of those where it, it almost feels to me like a, I wonder if this is like a older, nicer Marty sort of an ending because it is kind of nice and neat. And while there's punishment for everyone, for the most part, it is kind of like tied up in a nice little bow. As opposed to, yeah, Matt Damon's just living his life and he's a crooked cop. And that's the end. And you'd be like, fuck, that dude is still out there. That fucking sucks. You know, that that's more of the me in 2021 wanting to see that version. <laughs> because, right. You know, I don't know. I, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess if I know I'm going in for a Scorsese type of film, I guess that's what I'm expecting these days is is to be everything to wrap up and and for things to be just absolutely hollywood perfect and even you know even though i laughed at it or i nearly laughed at it the rat and all that like it just makes sense like i feel like i i feel like it's the it's the choice of the director and and whatnot but i feel the kind of the same way about about spielberg in some ways Mm -hmm. in that in that expectation like i know that while it might be a little heavy-handed 
that that is totally something that an old man and I say old man as if like I mean old man now like in the, these days would would totally do mm-hmm. it's just the it's it's like why would I expect uh I don't know the Rolling Stones for instance to play anything other than a Rolling Stones song or a cover <laughs> you know that's a contemporary cover of that time like I wouldn't expect them to do anything that maybe I wouldn't expect a uh you know this director to do something outside of that right even even something like a Tarantino or PTA like I, t- I tend to think that their time is like their, their, their prime is kind of past and they are, they're kind of handing it off to other younger directors and, and whatnot. And it's interesting to, it's interesting to kind of like see that type of stuff, but still kind of expect it. And it doesn't make it, I don't think it, I obviously like this film. I'm not going to knock it any less for it, but it's just one of those. It's, it's, it's just an expectation thing now, I think. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about something that is a little bit uh, unexpected from Mr. Martin Scorsese, and that is his second film. Unless you have something else about uh, The Departed that you wanted to mention. No, I will continue to like that film and continue to watch it for years to come. Yeah. So our second film, it is from uh, just a couple of years later. It is uh, the 2010 film Shutter Island. give you a briefing about the institution. All I know is it's a mental hospital. But the criminally insane. Gentlemen, welcome to Shutter Island. You're hereby required to surrender your firearms. We are duly appointed federal marshals. But during your stay, you will obey protocol. Is that understood? We take only the most dangerous and damaged patients, ones no other hospital can manage. These are all violent defenders, right? They've hurt people, murdered them in some cases. In almost all cases, yes. We try to provide them with a measure of calm. Personally, Doctor, I'd have to say screw their sense of calm. So this prisoner escapes in the last 24 hours. We don't know how she got out of her room. It's as if she evaporated straight through the walls. We haven't heard the truth once yet, but no one will talk. It's like they're scared of something. It's all down, all the lines, even radio. Whatever the hell's going on here, it's bad. We need to ask you some questions, okay? Do you know what fear does to the mind? Corrodes it, rusts it. This is a game. You're a rat in a maze. Who did this to you? Going somewhere? I've built something valuable here. I'm not going to give up without a fight. What if while you were looking into them, they were looking into you? Now they have us both here now. Let me see your face. Let me see your damn face now! Come on, come on! Wouldn't you agree? When you see a monster, you must stop it. And the IMDb plot synopsis for Shutter Island, Mr. Teed. Again, I went with this 
short as I could find, which is <laughs> kind of becoming a bit of an issue, but it goes like this. This is from a, a guy named Nick. And it says, assigned the thorny task of investigating the incomprehensible disappearance of a deranged child murderess, troubled U.S. Marshal Teddy Daniels and his new partner, Chuck, travel to Ashcliff Hospital, Shutter Island's impregnable asylum for the criminally insane. Soon, within the dark purgatory, this guy used a thesaurus for sure. Soon, within <laughs> the dark purgatory's thick stone walls, indescribable nuances of medical malpractice suggest that the institution's cryptic senior psychiatrist must be hiding something. Then, a raging tempest traps patients and investigators alike in the dark offshore prison, triggering Teddy's crippling migraines and gruesome flashbacks of a haunting past. Is the already perplexed detective losing his grip on reality? Question mark. All right, Mr. Teed, <laughs> this is a 2010's Shutter Island. Tell me about your history with this film. You were surprised that this was a release from Martin Scorsese? I was. So I was not. Okay. I was not at all. This is another genre p- picture uh, that comes out at a time um, where he's had success. I think, again, did he did now? Did I, We didn't talk about uh any awards for for departed, yeah, the departed but I take four it, yeah he won four did he did he finally win his directing day you know directing i believe Oscar that he did in that film uh i will look that up while you chat that's fine yeah no i'll, I'll keep chatting but i th- i think i think he i would say i was very much paying attention to that type of stuff and was probably even a fan of watching Oscars and paid attention and, and paid super attention cl- close mm-hmm. to that type of stuff and cared about it um back then especially in the in the late aughts maybe early 2010s uh best achievement in film editing thelma schoomaker and best achievement in directing martin scorsese as well as best most motion picture and best writing in his second film i will repeat that again second film william monaghan (laughs) that fucking just boils my boils my blood that's that's insane (laughs) so so. i'm coming i'm coming off of that film and then hearing that there's another Martin Scorsese film out and it just immediately like, yes, I'm ordering more, more, mm-hmm. more Marty, please. And so I probably saw this in the theater. I probably, probably saw it with Samantha cause I was with her at the time. And um, we probably went and saw it with a group, you know, got everyone going and stuff like that. And probably came in, probably was a little disappointed by it mm-hmm. coming out of it, thinking that I was going to get what I thought I was going to get, which was like this very serious uh, um, uh, uh, trip to shutter island and and supposed to be like oh well that wasn't that scary or oh that one wasn't that suspenseful or whatever watching it i would say probably 2017 or 2018 mm-hmm. I, I went out and bought the deep or uh, the blu-ray okay for some reason we were doing a, a movie club or whatever with our friends and i bought the blu-ray and i watched it again and i noticed something funny about the way that this movie operates and I couldn't quite place place my, my my finger on it and stuff. So when we came to it again, I was excited to load up the Blu-ray again. And I noticed this time, having had my wonderful personal journey with Marty's personal journey through mm-hmm. American cinema and a personal journey through Marty's cinema, um, I've noticed that he's just making like a 1950s thriller. That's right. all he's doing here. Uh-huh. And he, with all the embellishes of the script and 
whatever for better or for worse uh for some uh just <laughs> noted just noticed that that is exact he is doing everything down to the way people are dressed the, the way actors look some of the look of these actors is so fun and so good and some of the looks on their faces are just so fantastic and even the treatment of um of the of the of the criminally insane and 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 some people that are absolutely uh uh um medically troubled um is semi taken liberties with and stuff on it to like to a to a great degree Mm -hmm. for the sake of making a genre picture uh i don't think anything is necessarily i I didn't find anything offensive i'm interested in hearing if you did Mm -hmm. Uh, but but for the most part i thought and sat down with this again and still had a lot of fun with it with with like the with knowing full well that none of this is all of this is total bullshit like <laughs> every bit of this movie is so dumb but like i really enjoyed it for that okay the, even even like seeing character actors that i recognize yeah, now yeah uh and just loving appearances by like everybody so <laughs> anyways you need to get to your part because i want i don't want to i don't want to sit here and just pretend like this is the greatest thing since sliced bread because it wasn't okay but so yeah uh this is what is confusing to me is so marty finally wins his oscar and so so it's like uh what four years after that yeah four years later Uh, yes he decides to make shutter island and it's an adaptation of a dennis lehane uh book and dennis lehane is for me best known at um from being the writer of mystic river as well as the drop and is a very sort of stylized crime novelist and i have some dennis lehane i like dennis lehane i think that he writes interesting and engaging uh, novels this is written by uh, leda calagritis um i do not know her work as well i do know that she also wrote alita battle angel um i know that she also wrote the 2004 attempt at uh the birds of prey um with uh, dina meyer when when like smallville was coming out and they try to do birds of prey oh wow yeah uh, she was the uh she was the person that developed that series that was uh to be kind terrible um she also wrote bionic woman which was out for a, you know, i think a season um she wrote the pilot of that which typically means that she was the showrunner if you're writing the first episode she also wrote uh terminator genesis after this and then she wrote altered carbon uh, and she helped create that show so i think a lot of my problem is that i don't connect with her writing um because i don't i have not enjoyed any of those things uh, i didn't enjoy nightwatch or alexander and she wrote both of those things as well uh, so that's, I think, is what my big issue is, is because I don't think that uh, I don't think that the story or the actual uh, maybe the dialogue or the way that it's structured or whatever. I just don't I just find something in the writing that keeps me at a distance because watching it the first time around, I watched this in theaters and I did not like it. Uh, this I was surprised at how much I did not like it. I had I think it. Uh, it was a two and a half star because I know that because Ben reminded me that it was a two and a half star. Um, and, and I just had no desires really to sort of return to it. Uh, it was one of those things where I picked up the, 
the the disc at the library because I was like, oh yeah, Shutter Island, I might want to watch that again. Uh, and so rewatching it, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to like this. Maybe I was just not in the right headspace for it. Maybe this is going to be something that I dug uh, this time around. And again, like, I just, I don't get it. Like, I would love to know what it is about this that I'm missing, but I just don't like it. And it's just, it's really surprising to me at how much I don't like it. Because I think like from frame about 10, (laughs) I think, you know, that, you know, the end right away. Like, you know, that he's the person in that, that it's, that's uh, the, the person that is the, uh, that is getting the treated, that is getting the treatment, if I can spit it out. Um, I think that right away you're set up to know that, oh yeah, the background look looks really fake for a reason. Like the, the ocean looks like shit for a reason. It doesn't look like they're actually on an ocean because he's not on an ocean because he's uh, a crazy person who's, you know, in the cell and is making up all of these things. And I figured that out really quickly in the theater. And then it was like the big reveal of, oh, these are anagrams. And, oh, this is, you've been here the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, he's been here the whole time. And then I walk out and was like, wait, that was the reveal? Like, wait a minute. That was like, that was it? And so it was to me, it was like, what if I knew um, The Sixth Sense and it was very blatant from the beginning that, yeah, he's dead. And then you watch the whole movie and then at the end you're supposed to be surprised that he's dead and you're like yeah he's dead obviously he's dead that was that's the sort of reaction that i have watching this because they have all of these long things where he's trying to figure it out and i'm like dude you're the you're the crazy one yeah this 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 time this time around watching it i absolutely knew i i remembered what was going on uh why why he was coming on and so the fun of watching this time was was seeing um Oh, he's a really good actor, Mark Ruffalo. No, oh, yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. seeing his his partner say, "Hey, boss, what's going on? Hey, man!" Mm-hmm. And like looking at him and noticing like them having to give over their guns mm-hmm. uh, on the mm-hmm. island and stuff like that. Like I I just I just had fun this time knowing everything and seeing some of the background movements and characters start to like take shape Mm -hmm. and then also just noticing montages to other films Mm -hmm. uh this just felt i mean you could just take every one of these actors and actresses and just transport them back in fact i would say make the film even better marty by just making it black and white black and white absolutely please do that because that gives me a sort of an expectation of what sort of thing we're going for. I feel like that would have made this even more obvious to me. Mm -hmm. It was so obvious to me this time, but like, I, I think the last time I saw it, I'm like, is he? And so this time having seen once again, he just loves genre pictures. He Mm -hmm. loves to do his, his little projects or whatever. And this one is totally like a, you know, you know, like a Cape fear, how we were just kind of like, eh, Mm -hmm. that's him doing, uh, that's him doing Hitchcock in Mm -hmm. some ways. He wants Mm -hmm. to do his Hitchcock and Hitchcock is way he's, he can go far out there sometimes. I think that's what shutter Island was meant to be. Cause you're right. I, I, having, having seen this again, I do kind of feel like, well, I've seen Sixth Sense. I know that the main character is not what they seem and blah, 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 like big whoop. And I guess you're right. I, I guess <laughs> I feel that. But at the same time, well, yeah, but but at the same time, like, you know, 
part of the fun of watching it this same time was seeing all those old flourishes that he likes to put in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to talk about one, my one in particular. I just love it. Love it. Love it. The va- uh, Max von Sydow character. Oh, absolutely. Looks yes. exactly like Dr. Frank, doc, the, uh, the Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> right. He pulled him straight from Germany. He pulled him straight from German expressionist uh, look to him. Like I would have been, I would have like noticed that if I, if I hadn't, I don't know if I would have noticed that the first time watching it. Cause I wouldn't have known uh, those old universal films, but man, like I just, I love how that character plays up, you know, his, his Germanness and his, his like big Coke bottle glasses and stuff like that. He looks so perfect in this role. And, and I, the other person that looks perfect was Mark Ruffalo, mm-hmm. how he has that face that could be like Martin Balsam or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just this, just, someone straight out of a Hitchcock film. Well, and, 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 and there's a little Hitchcock here, I would say, but also I, I just think that it, it fits well with like the Val Lutons and the, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, for me, I think that the, the main plus is the, is the cast that they have because like I wrote in here, like, Oh my God, do I love Michelle Williams? Because no matter what it is that she's doing, she is fully in. Like she's, she's trying her damnedest. Like there's no sort of like a self-consciousness when she's on screen. And then the same thing with Emily Mortimer to where I, I love Emily Mortimer and I wish that she was oh, yeah. in more things. Right. Like same. I, yes. I think that she, for me, I know her best from match point, but I absolutely wish that she was um, someone that uh, would be turned to like, immediately you're like oh who do we need for this emily mortimer as opposed to being just like a little bit character that she gets to be more often it seems like uh but i i think that the cast is really good i mean you have jackie earl haley you have ted levine who i don't see too much ted levine outside of silence of the oh lambs when i'm watching that you know that was such a i i when he got in the car it was such a good moment for me because I'm like squinting my eyes going, wait a minute. Yeah. How do I know this I, guy? Mm-hmm. I've seen him in like fast and the furious as like a, as like a cop character and he plays all that stuff really well or whatever. But I love when, when he shows up and he's kind of got his Buffalo bill voice. Oh, he yeah. always sounds and like, like who is that? Oh, that's the warden. And I'm like, no, it is not. <laughs> that's Buffalo bill. That. Of course they make him the, the, the warden, uh, mm-hmm. Jackie Earl Haley. Mm-hmm. Elias um, Coteus is in here as the guy that's got the big scar on his face. I recognize the gentleman who is uh, the main cop at the very beginning that does all the explanation. Oh, that's the, John Carroll exposition. Lynch. John Carroll Lynch. So I recognized him from uh, Fargo. He is uh-huh, Norm, uh, cin- cinema's greatest uh, <laughs> protagonist, uh, Marge, play, plays her husband <laughs> right. in Fargo. Absolutely love, like Marge mm-hmm. is quite simply the best character ever committed to anything <laughs> probably ever and and the fact that we have that guy i've seen him also in uh, make appearances in like uh 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 oh gosh i recognized him in um oh what well, is he's that in, show he's in a ton of things he's in a ton of television but he was but he he was a real emotional character in a bit part in what is that called handmaid's tale he's in oh, that a little bit. yeah he also is uh he's also the guy that they basically pin it on in zodiac which is who i always think oh that's right i need that's what i need to revisit man a fincher rewatch would be great Mm -hmm. but yeah that's a yeah so yeah he's also he's in a ton Carroll Lynch also looks like my boss like he would my my old boss at Mm -hmm. the tv station Mm -hmm. i feel like he like if if i were to cast 
the perfect person to play like the ideal version of that of my boss it would it would be john carroll lynch for sure he looks exactly like him that feels like a dig that feels like a dig hey you know Uh, i think think john carroll lynch is a handsome man okay well there you go Uh, so i think um let's see what did i what did i have here in my notes is uh Oh yeah. So this is the thing that I had said again to reiterate my frustration was I, I put, yeah, he seems crazy and things don't read as real. Then we continue to have this point proven to us over and over again. And I just was like, I got it. And then yet we keep getting like the, Oh, this clue doesn't match with this. And Oh, look, this, this storm doesn't allow us to do this. And, and now the partner's dead and now we got to spend it felt like 30 minutes with Patricia Clarkson in the cave talking. I can, to- I can totally see the, uh, actually we have the Emily Mortimer character already. We found her. She's been found. Like I, I can see that blowing my mind back in 2010. Well, and I think what is interesting is I bet that this works really well in a novel. Like I bet in a novel form, I bet that this is really interesting because you get to look at all of the attention to, oh, Teddy is actually this and it's an anagram for that and blah, blah, blah. And you get to see, because you see those words over and over and over and over. But when it's in a visual medium, I'm like, yeah, everyone looks awesome because they're in this old, this sort of post-World War II set um, costume design. But otherwise I'm just like, uh, and like, I (laughs) I don't get what I'm supposed to be following so much. I've seen so many of those like, like recently, I know this doesn't go nearly as far back, but like I'm starting to watch more of these older, older films, um, 40s and 50s, you know, crime, yeah, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. And this stuff, it's it's just they have the, the, this movie has that language in there mm-hmm. contained within it. And, and for better, or for worse, like it's not maybe not some of the best like writing or anything like that. But th- there is just something there that I think I just really respond to with those older films that I think Marty's just trying to, to play cover. I think that's, I think that's what this movie is. He's playing a cover of a song uh, from probably 50 years ago mm-hmm. and he's introducing these audiences to it. And I think, you know, I would say for the most part, audiences liked it, right? Like yeah. For the most well, yeah. Part, oh, I'm say. definitely in the outlier here because I mean, it made almost $300 million um, right you got leo in there you got yeah you know. the budget was uh 80 million estimated and so even if you have half of that being for advertisement you're looking at 120 million so it it over doubled the uh you know the budget so it it did well like it was a success i just didn't think that this was a like if you're going to do something and maybe this is just my own taste compared to martin scorsese but it's like you just won the oscar finally you can do whatever you want and then for me, it's it seems like, well, you're doing this kind of regressive sort of story, but maybe he's like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Is I this want to make of, the movies I grew yeah, up with. I want it to looks like. exactly do a color version of a movie that I grew up with that I that I never you know, got to see. I wonder. I wonder if I wonder if maybe at some point in the in the uh, production, if he might have brought that up in some studio, probably or committee or something. The way movies are made now, whatever. They're like, no, 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 don't make it black and white. Like, just immediately, just just tried to cut it out, stomp <laughs> yeah, on that like, idea. Nope. We're, look, but, you're not Robert Eggers. <laughs> like, with oh the, my god, the lighthouse stuff. It's oh like, my god, I can't. I, I am so close to watching that. You're like, um, this costs eighty million dollars. You're not shooting it. You're you're not showing it in black and white. <laughs> you mentioned the lighthouse, and it made me think of the one of the goals of this movie. One of 
the MacGuffins of this movie is the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite small moments, God, I love this so much. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the film is such a stupid throwaway line. So small. He gets to the top of the lighthouse. Leo opens the door. And what does he see? He sees Ben Kingsley there. And he says, why y'all wet, baby? All <laughs> oh, right. And, the, and he goes, what the, did you say? He's like, you heard me. <laughs> and the reason why I love that, and I didn't catch this before, is in the flashback to the lake, he is holding his wife and going, why y'all wet, baby? I don't, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And he looks past him and sees the, the dead children, which is a real like nightmare scene it doesn't seem real at all it doesn't seem right mm-hmm. none of that seems right some of it might just be uh just not the truth anymore what is what is uh uh teddy's truth anymore like honestly at this point but i think that's kind of the point because that entire exposition drop that happens up there well you've been doing this for the past six months mm-hmm. and in another six months mm-hmm. we'll be doing it all over again it's supposed to be i know every thing. detail of this for the last two but years that you've been in the blah, blah, blah. that is such a 50s thriller like type of thing like he's he is literally making an old an old movie right and again and, and maybe, probably it's, and maybe really, it's stale yep and probably really, really good in a book is what i'm thinking like sure. probably yeah. you know it's like a ooh, you know what dennis lahane he does this sort of throwback stuff that i like let's get this adapted let's get this going this is what i want to make and they're like sure whatever you want to do marty you just won the fucking oscar robert richardson is the person who shot this movie he is tarantino's boy it looks like oh interesting he has done pretty much the last decade of uh the last oh my god did i just say last decade (laughs) last two decades of freaking did you know it's still 2010 and then i'm trapped in (laughs) <laughs> it's 2010 um, it's still 2010 uh, Shutter Island just came out I don't know what you're talking about uh, <laughs> you you didn't just come from the theater is what you're saying yeah that's it was what, what you're saying, saying. Mm-hmm. oh my god so yeah he's done Kill Bills he's done Django's he's done Inglorious Bastards Once Upon a Time Hateful Eight uh, Aviator Hugo so he's he's been around he's also helped shoot Casino and, and all so he's he's a part of it i mean those are some of his most well-known yeah i feel like films. outside of deacons i don't know nearly as many cinematographers that i, I need should. to be better about that yeah. too i think i I'm, i agree um but uh thelma is still editing i think she edits absolutely everything i think that so. he does i think, I think so so far absolutely i mean everything i don't know that they're like i don't know that we've come across anything that we pointed out anyway that wasn't uh edit, edited by him or by her sure Hmm. um but yeah i mean i didn't come away from this ever thinking i mean not this time i'm I'm talking about in general i'm trying to think back to when i first saw it i just thought it was oh maybe not my favorite of the year but absolutely uh 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 a uh what is it called like i i kept thinking very sophomoric uh mr Mm. mr scorsese as (laughs) in as if yeah as if as if freaking uh (laughs) departed was my was his first film or something like shut up shut up young ben (laughs) that's right well you gotta you gotta bring the young perspective ben and and you're you're i mean you're falling off the young perspective because as a recording i had a uh a recent 21 year old uh that was on the latest episode that came out so you're an old man what must that be like you're an old man yeah yeah 20 years my junior oh wow Mm -hmm. it's interesting (sighs) so it's a lot of like all my life's and i'm like all your life like six years years? (laughs) what was was the toy in your happy meal today man (laughs) um i don't know i i'm trying to think of other things with this movie but like i just kind of like put it in and it was a good time and 
I just kind of like, I wasn't like, sh- you know, sh- uh, shook to my core or anything like yeah. that. But I, I just love the ridiculousness of him climbing the the side of the mountain and like how dumb that is and how like, <laughs> like that's like not a smart thing. That's why I don't know if half of it's even true. Like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to believe any of this stuff, but mm-hmm. I do like um, um, when, uh, uh, when the, uh, uh, they are first walking in, to the facility and they in Leo looks over, Teddy looks over and he sees um, a woman who's like, has just only like a few strands of hair left on her head. Oh, right. Yes. And like such a disturbing shot. Very of this like and, deep blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like that's, that imagery is, it's really good too. I, I thought, I thought I liked a lot of that stuff, despite it looking very zombie like and very horror film. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily think that this counts as a, horror film it's more like a, just a thriller mystery um, oh for sure because there i mean there really wasn't anything that even even the jump scares and stuff like that are, are just so cheap that this is such a uh, uh just a, a post-world war ii well i mean he's a world war ii soldier they even show like the shots in the yeah in the uh in when they're in, at dachau uh, and all that yeah dachau it's a man that's crazy like like all, putting all that together and stuff was really good uh the one of the the one striking image that was also there uh was all the bodies frozen mm-hmm. in a yeah, pile. that, that might was have, really effective i was like that wow, might have gross. been the first time i might have seen something like that because i've watched uh uh schindler's list in school mm-hmm. me too and uh and and it was it <laughs> i'm was not very, that old then me too I mean, no i know i'm just saying like that might have been the first time i had seen just a bunch of just a, just a pile of bodies and how shocking that is uh to see but never uh, like a frozen pile, like with like mm-hmm. a just caked in ice and like seeing a face just almost as if it's stone or something, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very, very disturbing. And then, and then that entire thing with like the, where, where he'd be, you know, talking about um, his, his violence in the, in the, I uh, forget what room they're in, but they're all having a drink or whatever. And, and Max von Sydow, is saying, oh, you are violent men. You come from oh, you know, yes. over there and stuff like that. And then, you know, he starts biting back, being like, oh, German, huh? Like, uh, do I, do we capture a Nazi here mm-hmm. or something? Like, is that what happened? I like that, that like that Cold War era snapping back at each other type of thing. Very paranoid. Like, there's something about that era that lends itself so good to movies mm-hmm. <laughs> that even if it's made in 2010, I guess, I don't know. I just responded to it. I don't know. Like you said, probably a great book. I'd, I'd like to, I might even give the book a try, but I mean, I, well, yeah, I, I have checked it out before and, and started reading the beginning of it. Um, it's one of those where I just kind of, especially reading like every day. Like I, I really got to kind of want to read it for a reason or else I'm like, I don't know. Right. Like I've got all this other stuff I got to read. There's so much. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so it's, uh, but it, it's good. And, and I think that, uh, I, like I've read Mystic River and I thought that that was good and I didn't read the drop, but I have, uh, I did again also. <laughs> um, I did borrow it and start reading it, but I didn't finish it. So, but I do like Dennis Lehane. I think that most of the stuff that he, he does is pretty good stuff. Ah, the drop. I love the drop. Mm-hmm. I do remember watching that one too. Mm-hmm. And he did, um, he did uh, Gone Baby Gone as well. Now that one I missed, but like uh, I just something about that. I think the drop was uh, one of the last films I saw from um, Mr. Soprano. Uh, Why can't I think of his name? It is uh, oh James Gandolfini. Gandolfini is James Gandolfini. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's gotcha. in that. 
He's he's got a smaller role in it, but yeah. Oh, that's I know why I saw the drop. It. Yeah, that's the probably the reason why I saw this movie because that's back when. Listen, the man of the man of the hour at this house now is Oscar Isaac. But back in the day, <laughs> when I first started dating Samantha, it was the na- the the man's name was Tom Hardy. Uh-huh. We would just go see anything that man was in. So I I mean, listen, I had a great time at the drop, but Samantha had a really great time at the drop. So. <laughs> Well, you got to do what you got to do, Ben. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to, yes. <laughs> well, I do. I mean, one of my wife's favorite movies is uh, is Warrior, and it's not because of the cinematography. It's because it's, right. uh, you know, it's it's because of the two leads there, and one of them is Thomas. It's a certain Thomas. type of cinematography. Uh, that's right. It's like, <laughs> I just kind of like that they're just wrestling around with each other. I'm like, okay. Look at, look at them. They don't have their shirts on. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I just think I they're like, really neat. <laughs> Joel Edgerton, she she especially likes Joel Edgerton in that movie. She's like, he's oh, He's like, great. He's so good i've seen so many good things with him lately yep well i'll tell you something after uh we record about joel edgerton oh perfect yeah awesome all right well anything else about uh shutter island before we say goodbye about how it's i look not forward very to seeing good, it again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i look forward to seeing it again question mark i don't yeah. think it's the perfect film but man is it like i don't know i i just i really do feel like uh uh we're not gonna see well the, <laughs> Nothing I'm gonna say is really. Coming. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm just gonna say it. We're not gonna see a lot of films like these uh, much mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna continue to probably evolve uh, cinema, and and we're just gonna you know not look back in the way Marty does. Mm-hmm. And some of us uh, are fine with that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's like uh, I I. It's not like I don't mind old movies. Like I introduced uh, my wife to the Thin Man series, the, the Nick and oh, yes. Charles uh, series. We watched the oh Thin gosh. Man uh, yesterday and drank martinis and it was wonderful. Hell yeah. Um, and she liked it. She thought that they were just adorable together. And, you know, that's a <laughs> 30s movie. And so we're going to watch another Thin Man uh, next weekend. It's just going to be a thing that we do um and that sounds awesome yeah and so so that's fun <laughs> Quite honestly and then the other half of my brain is uh you know the kiddo and i are doing uh one of the saw sequels <laughs> so oh i'm just gosh. really uh on both sides the of the kiddo plate. and me are watching yeah. saw and, movies and you know now. what well, let me give you this little uh hint of what she's thought of the saws i already recorded the first episode of that but uh she said that i asked her i said so what did you think of the uh the second saw movie and she goes, well, towards the end, she put, uh, at the very beginning, she goes, oh, this is messed up already. And she's like, you know what? I wouldn't do anything to my eyes. I would just die. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and then she says, oh, why do people make movies like this? It's so sad and smart and gross. Bingo. <laughs> and then I asked, she goes, what are you going to tell your mom about Saw 2? And she goes, it was smart and gross and sad and good, she said. <laughs> so that was her review, uh, being a 12-year-old thing of Saw 2. So wait, is she she's not your she's not your person that says all my life, right? You said someone twenty one years. You're that's not the person. No, right? no, no, no. Okay, that, that was a guess that I had on the show. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so Anna, uh, my stepdaughter, is um, well versed in the horror stuff, and she um, thinks it's interesting that other people want to know what she thinks about uh, scary movies. <laughs> she's like, why do people care what I think? Man. It's like, well, because you're a kid, and we're not kids anymore. So it's interesting to know. Interesting to know. All right. So if people have any comments, suggestions, or movies that you'd like to hear us talk about, or directors, right? They if if someone really wanted to say, you know what, what do you guys think of David Fincher? 
I think Ben would be an easy sell on that. You could email I us absolutely at uh, plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod, where you can follow me. I'm at ericwilliam79. We also have an Instagram account. Just search for plainlabelpodcast, and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes, where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Mr. Teed for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you or listen to you, where could they do that? Uh, Twitter and letterbox at Ben Teed. Mm-hmm. All right. Mid drink. All right. So thank oh, you. Sorry. For, that's all right. So thank you for listening and you can join Ben and I next week when we continue our Marty Scorsese discussion with the films, Hugo and the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah.